You are listening to the SHL Talent Talks podcast, featuring conversations with experts on talent topics that help organizations win in today's dynamic business environment. Hi, welcome to SHL Talent Talks. I'm Ken Lottie, Chief Science and Innovation Officer for SHL. Today, we are joined by a number of great guests. And also, I have a special co-host, Yvette Cameron from the Velocity Network Foundation and Velocity Career Labs. Welcome, Yvette. Thank you, Ken. Glad to be here today. Yeah, so we've had a little conversation about some of this stuff before, uh, talking about the Internet of Careers. And I think what we wanted to do is really build on that and bring in some uh, talented HR leaders to help us build this out. So I'm going to actually have them introduce themselves, but we're joined by three leaders, uh, global leaders uh, from large organizations. They'll tell you a little bit about uh, themselves and uh, their perspective. Um, and then we're going to get into a conversation about this Internet of Careers and what we think it all means. So um, out to our guests, I guess, uh, Lydia, if you could start us off. Hi, hello. My name is Lydia Nadic Petrenko. I'm head of the global talent attraction in GTI, and I believe I'm one of the most geeky persons in our human resources team because whatever relates to the systems and new technologies related to the talent attraction usually comes to me. Thank you, Lydia. And Tanya, how about you introduce yourself as well? Um, Thank you. Thank you for having me. And so I am Tanya Delaney. I have spent the last uh, 20 years working as an industrial organizational psychologist in large multinational companies um, with a primary focus around assessments across the employee life cycle. I, I should add, I work for Philip Morris International, and I'm currently based in Lausanne, Switzerland. Excellent. Thank you, Tanya. And then Adeline, would you mind introducing yourself as well? Very happy to. Hi, good day, everyone. My name is Adeline Louis, and I'm finding some friends on this podcast today. So I'm also based out here in Switzerland, and I hit up uh, the space of talent and leadership assessments. I've been in uh, HR and in the business for about 20 over years with a deep passion of helping people grow. So it's a fantastic time for me to be here. I'd also like to add that I'm going to be sharing a little bit of my views on this very interesting topic that Ken and Yvette will be taking us on today. And these are my personal views, not necessarily the company that I'm working for, which is Nestle. Excellent point. Thank you for raising that. Um, Yvette, would you mind giving uh, everyone a little bit of a recap of who you are? Sure. So, uh, Yvette Cameron, and I'm the co-founder of Velocity Career Labs and the instigator uh, company that founded a Velocity Network Foundation. I have been in the HCM space for over 25 years, uh, predominantly in the technology space. And now for the last probably four or five years, I've been focusing on what's next for people owning their career information and how to disruptive technologies like self-sovereign identities and blockchain impact our, um, you know, what's possible in the future. Excellent. And once again, I'm Ken. I'm a Chief Science and Innovation Officer at SHL. Uh, I'm a scientist by background and training, an industrial organizational psychologist, and focusing mainly on the R&D and innovation space. Uh, but in my free time, I'm also a board member at the Velocity Network Foundation, which SHL is very happy to be a founding board member of, uh, because we're excited, too, about this new technology and the new possibilities that this brings to all things uh, talent. Um, so let's maybe start off with that. Uh, what are we talking about? We're talking about this thing called the Internet of Careers. I'll give my... Uh, layman's version of this, and then Yvette, perhaps you could give us a more robust introduction. But my sense is that we're talking about the use of blockchain as a new technology and, and what it could do uh, in the world of HR. And one of the, the biggest use cases is the idea that you know, people should be able to have their own data about their careers and bring that with them. So that's the, that's the, the big picture idea. Um, but there's quite a lot underneath the hood there. So Yvette, could you give us a little bit more detail? 
Sure, Ken. I, I mean, and, and you've given the fundamental use case. People need to be able to own their career data. So the concept of the Internet of Careers is to put in place the infrastructure that allows for the frictionless exchange of everything that's uh, relatable to you uh, around your career identity. So how do we ensure that information that is in academics um, institutions and employer systems and gig work platforms and assessment platforms and so forth can ultimately come to the individual, be owned and managed by the individual and shared under their direct control with prospective employers or prospective academic institutions or um, others who may need to see that career information. We call it the Internet of Careers because just as the Internet is ubiquitous, right, we all exchange and, and learn information on the Internet, your, the way that we exchange career credentials should also be just as ubiqui ubiquitous. So we have, um, we have formed this uh, Velocity Network Foundation as a vendor-neutral industry-based approach to ensure that those protocols, the way that we are exchanging from those who have the credentials about us uh, to those who need to receive it, how are we exchanging that on a, on a, in a set of standards and processes and protocols that are understood across the globe, uh, where we're all speaking the same language technically, and that those career credentials can be exchanged securely, safely, privately, uh, that they cannot be um, uh, hacked or, or, uh, or modified by any way, that that information is ultimately trusted. So we are using the technology of blockchain to ensure the security the privacy and the trust of that. You know, Ken, you mentioned blockchain as a technology. It's really more of a design pattern um, around ensuring that there is no centralized database. There is no one single database that holds information about an individual that can be hacked and can be uh, distorted. So the whole concept as we move forward is how do we move this information to individuals so that they control it, it's completely safe and secure, and um, ultimately people are back in control of their careers. That is super fantastic and helpful uh, working definition. So Yvette and I spend our time figuring out how to build this thing. And I think that what we'd love to get from uh, from you three, uh, Lydia, Adeline, and Tanya, is what do you think you could do with this? So assuming that it gets built and it works exactly as we've just described, where people can safely and securely both store their own data and share it with prospective employers, for example, or current employers, uh, what kind of benefits would that bring or what, what, what would that help with? So we're, I think we're building this with the assumption that there's a lot of waste maybe in current processes by chasing down uh, credentials and chasing down or, or creating new credentials on a uh, application by application basis and, and kind of forcing people maybe to redo things almost every time they they go to a new employer. So that's our working assumption, but we'd love to hear from you guys as leaders in organizations dealing with talent challenges. Do you think this Internet of Careers stuff would be helpful? Uh, and, and I won't call on you. I'll just let, let whoever wants to talk talk. And, you know, I, this is Yvette. I'm going to jump in one more time, if you don't mind, Ken, and, and, and guests. Um, you know, as, as Ken said, we, we are making the assumption here that the background check industry needs to be disrupted. The idea of trying to validate um, credentials of all types, right, whether it's skills or academic training or um, employment history or certifications, et cetera, the fact that it takes days to weeks to get to that level of information is no longer viable in today's space. We fundamentally believe that that information needs to be owned by the individual, trusted immediately, verifiable immediately. And, um, you know, how do we, again, remove friction from that process? The other side of the assumption is that individuals need to be able to present their best selves. And so how can they ensure that they're not just getting their historical credentials, but that 
on a daily, weekly, monthly basis as they're taking new training, as they're taking new assessments, um, completing new projects, et cetera, how do they ensure that their profile is continuously updated, continuously updated with information, again, that can be trusted. We know it came from a trusted source. Um, the fact that I've completed this project hasn't, you know, and, I, and I've got validation of that, that I haven't modified it. Um, you know, the goal here is to ensure that individuals are able to present their skills, capabilities, experience in a trusted way at any point um, in their in their employment career from students through through employers on a on a regular basis. So with that, um, then we'll, we'll put Ken's question yeah. back out there. And Yvette, I'll just build up what you said, because I think if there's a huge, and sorry, this is Tanya Delaney again, um, if there's a huge disruption opportunity, I think it's exactly in what you just shared in um, the background checks. So background checks, as we all know and have experienced, that is not only timely, and sometimes it's just inconclusive. And trying to track down your own employer, for an employer to track down another employer, it is one of those painful processes that we're all enduring. Um, and it's just such a shame that it's such a bad experience for so many people just trying to get that confirmation. Um, and I think this is a, a great example. Um, if there's going to be disruption um, within the HR space using this technology, this is just also just trying to track down within the company when you're asked, you know, who do I contact in your employer to get this confirmation? And to try to track that down sometimes um, for companies, if you're moving between startups and the startup gets bought up and bought up, it's very hard to find that information. So having that trusted source, I think would be tremendous. Yeah, this is Adeline here. I'd really like to latch on to what my my friends have said earlier, I think the other piece additionally, which uh, I mean, the, the first piece that Yvette and Tanya have spoken about, really about disrupting the space or making that candidate experience so much more positive. I think this is something that every employer should really think about doing because if we walk a mile in people's shoes, we, we realize that especially in times of these COVID disruptions, there are people who have been furloughed. There are people, a lot of people who have lost their jobs. Imagine when they feel like they need to jump through hoops all these times with every single application. It's painful and it's an unnecessary pain, in my opinion. I'd like to also flip to the other piece, which is on development. Um, especially in these times, how many of us have seen our friends or even ourselves sign up on a, a course on edX or on LinkedIn or, or with Coursera. And we are really proud to have completed a certain program, a little a bit of upskilling. Some people have gone into their certification programs. These are little badges of acknowledgments of not just completion of a course, but it's also telling your future employer, hi, I've taken the opportunity to upskill myself and now I'm at competence X level for this. And if we have a way to put that empowerment back into the hands of the talent, I think this would be absolutely, absolutely necessary because then this is a verifiable way of uh, a future employer, someone on my side sitting and saying, ah, okay, digital acumen, digital foundations, this person would have had it because it's verifiable, it's uh, it's it's safe. I know that he or she has passed this with X uh, percentage or with honours. It gives both the employer and the future employee a much higher level playing field. Yeah, and it's Lydia. Um, I want to um, add one aspect which was not touched by my colleagues, uh, but I think it has a huge impact, especially for the global organizations. It's all this, this, this legal questions of the data privacy and access. And if you operate as a global organization uh, in many countries, then you need to adjust your systems to meet the legislational requirements of each particular country, and some of them are really, really creative. So sometimes it's close to impossible to um, address everything technically and then certain instances have to be blocked uh, because because of the legislation problem. So I think when this um, new approach will be implemented, uh, the candidates will have control on their data and they will be able to decide, okay, I want this employer to seize my data for this period of time 
and I give them an authorization and then I press the button and it's um, recalled back and I'm in control. So it's much easier on the IT side, yes, to, to set up the system and um, open it for more candidates around the world. So that's one thing which uh, usually comes as an unexpected headache, but it's it's actually a huge legal problem, which I, I really hope that it will be addressed. And the second thing, I think now the whole workforce is changing uh, and the, the whole paradigm of the employment world is changing. So if in the past we were having this employment, and yes, of course, you need to do this background check and you need to reach out to the previous employers, but now more and more people have more fragmented experience in their career when they are not employed, but they work with some someone on freelance basis or they support the project so um, and this is not recorded anywhere and I think uh, this technology uh, would give an opportunity to have it proven uh, with the credentials and even with the results of the work so these micro experiences that also add many things into the candidate portrait candidate portfolio I think they are very important for the consideration as well yeah, and Lydia, I love that um, I love that you've mentioned the the technology uh, components because you're right. I mean, the the legal compliance over where data is stored and how it can be shared is a is a big issue um, for organizations. Even as a as a manager working in the U.S. and trying to view skills and capabilities of people based in in Europe, there's questions about how can we see that, etc. So, when the individual owns their data and they are in control of who can see it and for how long, etc. Um, there are um, there are uh, uh, opinions and, and and positions from the legal community around um, you know yes it, individuals can share their data as they choose it's not the employer making that decision so it's a it's a really great opportunity you know we've all we've all gone to the 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 low hanging fruit or the most obvious use case here which is how fantastic um, the the candidate and the employer experience can be when we remove the friction from the the recruiting process but what what none of us have talked about yet is the reality of what most companies face which is lack of insight into the skills and experience of their current workforce right talent mobility and how are we addressing career paths and promotions and, and furloughs, which is a big thing here in, in the current environment, unfortunately, we oftentimes don't know the full depth and breadth of skills and capabilities of the workforce today. We have our limited profile views in our HCM systems. Um, so I, I think there's probably a lot of opportunity here on the talent mobility side. Would, would you guys agree? Any insights on that? Yeah, most definitely, I think. That was also one of the, the earlier points on uh, development that we spoke about. It's not so much just a development of an external candidate per se, but also of your internal workforce, right? right. And right. Uh, as, uh, we, <laughs> we joke about it. We've got apps for so many things. We've got apps for matching, for matchmaking. Uh, but very often in a lot of organizations, matching the right people to the right role I think the question that Ken and uh, you, Yvette, spoke about earlier about how it changes the talent strategy that we have. Uh, and with regards to how it was years ago where you put people in roles or people apply for roles, it's very archaic. Things are moving so fast where very often people could be in multiple projects at the same time or based on different skill sets, some person could move to location X or on project Y much faster now uh, if we only knew what we have internally and also if the people internally knew what was available. So if we think about the whole perspective of what types of talent would you buy, uh, the other aspect is also then what types of talent do you have in-house that have been built and how do you do that? Uh, well, Tinder for talent, for, la for lack of a better word. And having this uh, technology that makes it available, I think this helps to not just empower the candidate, but it also empowers talents all, all across, be it in-house or externally, for what we spoke about, owning their the data, right? Indeed. Tinder for talent. I like it. Maybe <laughs> maybe not completely HR appropriate, but I like it. <laughs> That's why I said it was my opinion and not the opinion of my company. <laughs> 
I, I would just add, though, I think that one of the challenges we have, so I think we can see and envision the benefits, but the challenge is, of course, saturation. So I think it's going to be really important that we have, if once we get to that tipping point of everybody has their um, their profile, their key data in that same kind of format, then companies will be asking for it and trusting it. But if it's still in a position where some employees or some candidates, some people have that information, I think that the companies will be um, potentially hesitant and continue to do um, or leverage some of those more archaic approaches um, that my colleague was referencing. I think we've got to get to a that tipping point for us to be all using that same approach. And when we do, that's when I think we'll really um, we'll just never look back. We'll just be able to see and kind of live with all those benefits. So you're bringing up, I think, one of the biggest challenges um, in the the move um, along this front, which is the the pervasiveness of this approach, right? It's not enough for just uh, Philip Morris or just Nestle, um, if you were, you know, to adopt this in the future, to, to adopt it, because as an individual, I've worked at many employers. I mean, you know, today's portfolio careers means I'll have 10, 15, 17, you know, companies that I work for over the course of my career. So being able to curate my experiences from multiple employers, uh, from multiple institutions, academic, from those online courses, um, Adeline, that you were talking about, um, the edX and Coursera's and others. Yeah, it does require an industry move toward this and we are seeing some really good movement from governments i know here in the united states there's a skills focus and a and a and a push toward uh, more portable credentials we're seeing this in other countries um, but it's a movement that that is is has to be orchestrated and um and approached from an industry perspective as opposed to just single entities single technology providers and so forth you, you've hit the nail on the head i think and there's examples in other industries where that move has happened, and we don't even think about it anymore. Look at um, universities. Um, I look at the IB programs in Europe, the SAT, you know, to get into university in the US, it was SAT or the um, ACT um, assessments. So previously they were individualized, then they moved to that central approach, and we, we don't even think about it anymore. That's just how it is. So the opportunity is there. We just have to keep working through it. I think building up these large multi-sided markets is difficult, and that's the challenge that Yvette and her team are, are working hard on and looking for levers to get uh, more mass adoption more quickly. I wonder, in the interim, I wonder if it's a bit like Apple Pay or something like that, like a disruptive payment where it's not everywhere, uh, but it starts to become enough places that the places that have it actually have some brand advantage. So. I guess I'd ask that as a question. If you guys think, uh, you know, if your organizations offered this to candidates, do you think that candidates start to see the simplicity of being able to share those digital wallets with certain employers as being uh, a competitive advantage for attracting talent to, into your organizations? I think it's kind of a quality mark, you know, for both the candidate and the employer. So if the employer is activating such a functionality uh, to apply for the jobs, and if the candidate has the profile in the system, it means that they are both technologically savvy. They are the forefront of the digital development, and they embrace uh, new te technologies quickly. So I think for, for many employers, if, if this, uh, this quality is important um, in the job for which the person is applying, that can, like, prioritize the candidate from the list you know this one is more advanced it's like in the past i don't know if you remember but um, like which which companies are having ats and which ones are still accepting cvs by email or even by fax yeah really old days and which of the candidates they were indicating like computer skills what what kind of skills do they have so now this all comes without saying everyone is expected to know like how to work with uh, microsoft office programs uh, for example but in the past it was a quality mark uh, like i don't know 15 years ago or something like that so this can become a quality mark now and also i don't know 
if uh, you thought about the marketplace, because it's not only about the tool, but kind of exclusive access, yeah, so maybe on top of the technology that you develop, how people can uh, keep their data, maybe you can build a marketplace where um, uh, the jobs will be listed, where you can apply with these profiles, and maybe that, that will become a new LinkedIn, or career builder, or um, another place where people learn about the opportunities with more advanced companies. I also very different. And why I'm sharing that is one technology that would be highly adopted in one market may not immediately be so in another. And if we impose to say that this is then the bar to meet, we could be losing very, very good people. I think directionally, we, we should as an organization say, yes, this is what we aspire to be, and this is what we aim to be and aim to offer to the people within our organization, but also when we are hiring from the outside, like Lydia says, depending on the type of job, right? And also uh, what I wanted to add is also depending on the landscape and, and the geography and what works in that area, then uh, what might make sense for them. And today, for example, in Asia, in some of these markets, they've uh, superseded a lot of us here in Europe with regards to how they've leveraged technology and used it. So I think it's important to make sure that we do the and and not the or, uh, and then in directionally going towards something meaningful, uh, we could also make sure that we don't lose good people behind. Yeah, and I'll build off that too. So I do think that it can be a brand advantage uh, for companies. Um, I think it sends a message to people that they uh, respect and value um, the privacy of data, the trustworthiness of data uh, within the company by acting externally that way. I think it also sends a message that um, they want to focus on what matters. So we don't want to focus on transactional work that technology can kind of do that heavy lifting for us. We want to put our resources in places that matter in the high impact, high value type of work. And by stepping away from some of these other things, I think it's, it can send a message that that's what we value. Um, and I think it's just forward leaning. Um, and I think, you know, candidates want to be with companies that are forward leaning. So I think it um, perhaps indirectly sends that message too. Yeah, and uh, Adeline has inspired one more thought uh, about the technological advantage uh, in those countries where internet connection may be like either very ex expensive or not very stable. I think uh, technology like this can potentially uh, save time and money for the candidates because they don't need to load like every time they apply somewhere. They don't need to load heavy files or, for example, if they have some materials in their portfolio, I don't know, video or whatever. So they don't need to load it multiple times, but like you load it once and then the system does it for you. So you reduce your internet consumption, which, yeah, in, in some countries with very remote um, infrastructure can, can be a benefit about which we don't think, but in, in, yeah, in some countries it's a real issue. I love these, I love these, uh, the points about, um, you know, the, the bandwidth considerations and the quality mark. I also think from a branding perspective, it shows a concern, I believe, for um, for progressing the community and society, right? That by putting data into the hands of individuals so that they can better access new opportunities, that they can take their most comprehensive profile forward to their next opportunity, whether it's within our organization or elsewhere, we're contributing to society's um, knowledge of, of the talent that's available, right? Uh, it, it feels like not just an employer brand, but a, a community a community good. Um, so I feel I feel really happy to be a part of this. It's it, it's driving the right the right behaviors forward. I believe. I love the ideas of, uh, that the guests have suggested about the talent marketplace and uh, be, being able to somehow track or, or build a more uh, robust set of credentials and descriptions around people's you know micro experiences. So instead of only you know, I had this formal position from X date to X date, you know, actually showing project work and other accomplishments and, and being able to enter that all into the official record. And then, yeah, if you had a, a, a meeting of the databases of jobs that 
uh, employers had, roles, positions, project work, um, and then uh, a corresponding set of the talent available in the market at a given time, whether that was an internal talent market or an external talent market, that would be uh, incredibly powerful, especially now with the type of analytic tools such as artificial intelligence and other ways that we could match those two uh, sets of data. So a couple people also flagged that there would be some growing pains along the way, right? So during the process of adoption, you'd have some folks who had uh, digital wallets uh, and some folks who didn't. So for a while, employers would probably need to accommodate a couple different processes. But if we fast forward through that and we assume that this is readily available technology, uh, that employers can easily access it. There's not huge, you know, installation periods or anything. So let's say that it's out there and everyone who wants to can use it. There's some interesting things about this model that I wonder if we could get into. So the model, because it's putting the data in the control of the individual whose data it is, which makes total mm -hmm. sense. Um, one of the artifacts of that is that they need to accept the data. So they need to agree to accept a given credential into their digital wallet. Um, and that could create some interesting situations because you not all good not all news is good news, right? And not all data is is going to uh, paint them in the best possible light. So just as people do with resumes and CVs and LinkedIn profiles today, uh, they curate those to 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 portray themselves in a positive in the most positive light uh, based on the opportunities they're seeking. Even though the data becomes more trustworthy in this Internet of Careers blockchain driven protocol, uh, there's an interesting uh, product that you may not still know everything you need to know about the person. So there's there's potentially gaps in the credentials because people can reject credentials that they don't like the conclusion of. So I wanted to breach that at the topic and just see, you know, starting to think through, we, okay, we've got the adoption piece, but but now it's it actually changes how we start to think about how we ask questions and the types of questions we ask and, and the types of information we're looking for to make decisions. So I wanted to throw that out there and see if anyone had a reaction. That's a, that's a very good point, Ken. Um, when when some of us were chatting about this earlier, um, uh, outside or a couple, these are some of the things that the 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 HR who has been wearing the hat of what ifs should be asking, right? I mean, so it's like this is painting the best self. And in my conversation with this person, I said, well. That's also real life, if you think about it. To your point, um, you would include only also um, the more exciting highlights in your CV, um, in your company profile. You would call out some of your successes when you do your um, check-ins, uh, you know, when you review your performance uh, for the period or you discuss with your boss on what's your next career goal, uh, you would highlight what's what's um, what are your strengths the same, and Yvette's gonna cringe when I say this. When you go on a first blind date, you would present your best self, and I guess that's that's real life. I think where HR um, would come and add value would be then in how do we then make sure that we supplement this and support this person's to present a more complete self. So can you allude it to uh, questions that one could ask, for example, in uh, interviews? It's not just about hearing about your highlights, but it's also your lowlights. And for me, it's not just about the gaps that a person has or the failures, if one calls it that, but also how he or she had learned through that journey, learned through that mistakes those mistakes because sometimes that's also what you want to pick out. It's not just uh, the, the strengths. The other piece is, and I'm making an assumption here, so I'd love to hear from Yvette and Ken as well, nothing is stopping me as an employer to also say, ah, okay, this is the complete portrait that I need. You've come with parts of it. I'd like to also uh, make sure that you know you have 
and I'm going to the space of assessment. Uh, I'd like to also put uh, the candidates through assessment on X, Y, and Z. And if he or she does not already have it, it's also a part, um, and, and therefore does not have it as part of it, uh, his or her uh, portfolio or digital wallet per se, then there's nothing stopping an employer for, from suggesting an assessment. And I, as an employer, would also have access to that data. A am I right? Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, <clears throat> again, the concept of the digital wallet is that the individual puts in their wallet, you know, what they want, but whatever goes in there is validated. And so to your point, um, you know, there will be, there will be assessments, there will be skills, there will be things that, that are not in that wallet, either because they haven't had that experience or, you know, the results were such that they didn't want to to bring those forward, which happens every day, as we said, on CVs. So, yes, I, I think what, what this opportunity of the self-sovereign identity does is it lets you um, focus on what matters. So you need assessments, you need understanding of capabilities based on the work of your organization and the, the work that you're trying to bring this individual on or promote them into, you do those, you know, and, and, and all of the rules of today still apply. You have, you have um, access to that information. You use it to make uh, hiring decisions and, and mobility decisions. Um, so none of that has changed. It's just recognizing that that portfolio, just like a CV, is not complete, but at least the contents can be trusted, right? And we can validate that they haven't been changed. Exactly. So that's why I thought that would be already a very um, safe way that we could still deal with the gaps in the information, but at least we let the employee or the talent bring his or her data first to the table, you know? Exactly, exactly. And I think also the way these wallets are going to expand, um, and we're seeing some of it already um, in some test cases today, is the idea of additional commentary, right? The, the concern that I hear from some individuals is that, well, is this going to replace the CV? And the CV is such a way for people to personalize the way they tell their story, right? To put more background and color behind the titles and the licenses and the certifications that they hold. And I think in the digital wallet, that is still possible. We have the trusted data that's validated and confirmed, et cetera. But also there should be areas in that digital wallet for the individual to express their story. And that story comes over just as any self-reported data does, right? It's, it's stuff that no industry, no organization has validated, but it's, it's my additional color on that degree or my additional color on that uh, job uh, experience that I had. So I, I think the these digital wallets are um, are great as we move forward with validated data, but we, we don't want to lose the personalization story as well. Yeah, and I want to add a point from my side. Uh, I have a very straightforward approach to recruitment, I believe, uh, because my job is to find the good candidate. Yes, yeah? so I'm uh, whenever I'm reading the CV or interviewing the candidate, I'm searching for the uh, proof why yes, not why no. Because my success depends on on how many yes and how how quickly I would will get them. And the same for the candidates. It's a win-win situation. I'm looking for successful one, and he he the the candidate wants to become successful as well. So whatever, and it's it's my job to understand. Okay, what are those parameters that are critical for the success in the role? And it's my job to find appropriate tools to check them. Either it's an interview or any assessment tool or recommendation or whatever, or maybe a verified um, um, information in, in the digital wallet. Yeah, so if there is something that they don't accept, yeah, maybe they had some failures in the past, but it's not um, uh, it's not critical uh, for my role, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for the uh, reasons why, yes, why we should accept each particular candidate and not why we should reject them. So I'm absolutely fine to, to have less information if people don't want to introduce. I will impose my, my tools to check what's critical for me. And then, yeah, it's not a confession in front of the priest. They don't need to tell about all their life. We, we need to find uh, like what's, what's important to be in common and then the rest is a subject of, of this diversity that we need to have. Whatever uh, like colors they want to add, that's up to them. That's their personality. But if they don't want to, they also have this right. This is one of the basic legal rights, I believe. 
So I'll admit I struggle with this one just a little bit um, because I kind of um, swing to two extremes. Um, as And so this is where my comments are definitely my opinion and not that of my employer. Um, but um, working in the assessment space, um, I kind of like dream of a day where, yes, the candidate would come forward and we would not have to go through assessment. The information would be all right there. We can use that kind of digital wallet to say, you know, here's my profile and I don't have to go through the assessments a second, a third, a fourth time. Um, there is all sorts of psychometric implications of these candidates. You know, they sit down in one month, they talk to six different companies, they get assessed oftentimes on the exact same test repeatedly. So how great would it be if they just came and said, you know, here's my cognitive score, here's my personality, and then we can map it, you know, very quickly um, to our own profiles if there was a way to do that. So that would be the dream. Um, but I think the reality is what my colleagues have uh, shared in the fact that candidates most likely or employees will most likely put the information um, selectively into this you know, digital profile, digital wallet of theirs, um, and they will put their best foot forward. So they also have to be aware that employers um, should always be doing their due diligence and looking beyond just that. Just like we look beyond um, a CV or a resume, we have to look beyond this information um, because it's not holistic. It's not an entire view of the individual. So I kind of, I think I, I, I sit on the fence, I guess, because I, I want it to be one way, but I think there's a reality of where we're still at. Well, it's a really good point in that, you know, some assessments should be um, universal, right? You take it once and it should apply to any organization that you're going to work at. Um, and, and you're right, from an employee candidate experience, um, if, if, if I have to take the same test again and again, already I'm turned off right, to your organization to some degree. Um, yeah. But there's other cases where the assessments are absolutely unique to the to the organization. And so, you know, I think having that, um, that information, you know, that, that test given to me, you know, that's fine. And I, I should be able to capture the results of that test again in my profile. I think I think what's important to note is that when we talk about self-sovereignty over over data, it's it's complete, right? As I'm accumulating all of my credentials, the intent is that um, uh, you know they're all stored in my wallet, and when I go and share my background with a potential employer, it's optimized. My sharing is optimized for that particular employer and company the role they're looking to hire me for. I'm not saying, uh, yes, check a box and all of my, my digital information goes to the employer. I'm able to select. I want to share the results of this assessment, but not that one. I want to share this history because it's relevant, but I'm not going to share the work that I did writing songs and you know for Nashville because it's not, it's not appropriate for that particular job. So the individual has line item control over what they share. But at the same token, the individual should also be able to capture that line item detail. You give me an assessment for that particular job, you know, I, that might be useful in the future um, for, to reuse if possible. But yeah, I think it's, um, I think part of that comes back to the language, right? How, how does it vary when an employer is, is doing an assessment on a particular skill um, or, or a personality trait or leadership skills, qualifications, et cetera? There's, there's inconsistency, I think, on what people are looking for. I mean, and, and, and each of you has so much more experience in that than I do. Um, you know, are, are, we, are we at a point where, where these assessments, you know, can be reused? Is there a category that we know can be reused and others where it's always going to be individual by employer. I, I think that's a great point, Yvette, that you've brought up. And I'm, talk, I'm thinking about the current situation where um, I'm aware of people who are job searching and some of them have actually reached out to say, you know what, I've gone through so many ATSs, I've, uh, I've gone to quite a few interviews and sometimes they ask for the same uh, tests is there a way that it can be better, easier? And I think someone used the terminology of removing friction, right? Starting with that from the candidate's experience. I think this is 
good a good opportunity where one could actually maximize the Internet of Careers for that. Additionally, as well, I realized in speaking to some fantastic experiences that they were now second-guessing themselves on putting on CVs because some of the feedback they get back from some organizations is that, oh, I'm sorry, we won't shortlist you because you're overqualified. And I think coming back to my view on huh. diversity and inclusion, exactly, I think giving and a, a, a person the choice to put forward their best self, but also the self that they want to come across. I think that's so important to say that. And I, Lydia said this, um, when I'm hiring, when I'm assessing, when I'm looking for candidates, I'm looking for a reason for a yes, not for a reason for a no. So I think we need to, there are two sides here, the self-sovereignty for the employee or the future employees to choose then what experiences I want to highlight so that that narrative, that story, that red thread, I can still tell it without disqualifying myself uh, from certain organizations. And for me, working within an organization, I need to make sure that my HR teams have that kind of capability to make sure that they are able to supplement what's missing in the profile and also very importantly not carry biases and not carry forward any uh, anything that would help uh, that would um, deter a very good person from coming through even if the experiences were positive do you see what i mean yeah Oh, completely. I mean, what what you're saying is that, as we've always said, it's not just about the technology. It's about the processes and the, the human interaction that we bring to the table to um, really make the best sense and make uh, make the best use of this technology and data. Um, we, we need process training as well as well as new technology. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I also wonder that based on what was just said, if um, there's going to be a point where um, beyond what the companies want to do, people are just going to say enough. You know, I don't want to keep reapplying through, you know, I've gone through the same a ATS for, you know, five different companies that I've applied to. I'm, I'm done. You know, at what point are they going to say enough is enough and say, you know, this, these processes have to be changed. My information has been put in there. Why are we not smart enough to just pull it? I'm going to share a story with you guys that's happened to me just in the last two weeks. My 16-year-old son trying to get a driver's license. And in order, he's completed all the coursework, etc. And in order to, um, to get his license, he has to go down to the Colorado Department of Motor Vehicles and bring a copy with him of his birth certificate. Uh, I'm sorry, um, his social security um, card. And it can't just be a digital copy. It can't be a facsimile. It has to be an official copy on the official paper, right, from the Social Security Administration, which is hysterical because it could easily be faked. Um, it, uh, the Social Security office has reduced hours now in the pandemic. My son has a known traveler card. So when he travels internationally with me, he's already been vetted by the uh, the, the government of the United States, you know, with his background and he has a passport, but the DMV office will not accept that information. And so we're going through the process of getting that horrible paper copy so that we can take it down, right, hand deliver it. And we are completely fed up. Um, and so we are making the complaints and we're sharing our story with people and we're, you know, sending messages up and, and we're not alone in this. Consumers are starting to rebel at the inefficiencies, the fact that with all the digital technology, we need to have, you know, better frictionless access to different things. Um, it's, 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 it's been a process, but I see the acceleration in the market. And you also think about from the consumer side, how many people are fed up with the way their data has been using? Two years ago, I never worried about the privacy settings on my, on my mobile device. Now, every app I'm constantly checking. Um, there was a survey done a couple of years ago that showed that 40% of the surveyed um, individuals, there were quite a few, had deleted at least one social media account because they were frustrated with the way their data was, was being used. So yes, I, I think, Tanya, you're totally on, on target here. 
people are going to say enough is enough. We now uh, refuse to follow your paper-based or your friction-filled processes. We need, we are asking, we're demanding that this is the new process. This is the new way that you, you accept information. It's not going to happen overnight, but as more companies and more schools started uh, adopting this capability, as it becomes um, a more of a common approach and people see the benefits, I think we're going to see a, an exponential um, uh, growth in the demand for, for this kind of process. It's, it's crazy. And then linking back to what we had spoken about earlier, I think this is where it goes back to if you want to hire the best talents, then likely these would be the people who are going to say, you know what, enough jumping through hoops. And then from a, an employer brand perspective, that would be also something that would play out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, sound, it sounds like what folks are saying is that we all believe that the talent is going to vote with their feet, right? So wherever is the less friction process, especially top talent who have their choice of opportunities, presumably, uh, they'll follow the path of least friction, obviously best suitability as well, but friction would play a part in their activity. And employers that don't have access to this kind of technology might not have access to the to the top talent in the marketplace anymore. I really liked uh, uh, Lydia and Adeline and, and Tanya, uh, Tanya's comments about this, the kind of signal harvesting. So if we think less about uh, it, these inconsistencies that we'll see across people's records, um, instead of, I like how we turn that into a positive because the idea right now is that everyone uh, has a complete uh, procedural adherence to creating kind of exactly comparable data. That's generally how our app forms and things like that work today. Um, if you had all these inconsistencies because people's credentials have been built up over their careers in different ways, which gives you this great uh, kind of diversity, it creates a little bit of the analytical and matching challenge, but it sounds like Lydia and others in, in the space would be up to the role of finding those signals to help them make good decisions about is this person right. I wonder if though that, so people will decide because it's easier to apply places that accept the um, digital wallet. Uh, organizations start to see more and more diversity of data and diversity of skills and credentials available to them. I wonder if it changes the way that HR starts to think about talent and talent attraction and and i guess i've kind of given away the punchline but it feels like today we look for things like a comprehensive work history because we're trying to make some inference from that about trustworthiness or responsibility or ambition or whatever without necessarily realizing that it penalizes people who take family leaves and people who have other experiences that aren't reflected in a uh, a comprehensive work history that shows one job followed by another. So as the data becomes lumpier and more varied, I wonder if HR starts to become more precise about what they're actually trying to get at instead of just asking for blanket data dumps of all. Sorry. Go uh, ahead. I think it should be some kind of balance, I believe, because, yes, um, it's important to give people an opportunity to express what they want to express, but also um, not to increase the workload on those people who work with this data. So I'm actually hopeful I see that you have, like, in, your, in the list of your founding members, you have quite powerful companies who work with, with the data. So I'm hopeful that they should have an idea how to make it easier for both sides for for one for one side for the candidates to submit their data and for the companies to assess what they submit in them in more um, standard way but uh, I'm absolutely with with you can uh, on, on the topic that of course um, it's us employers who should better understand what we are looking for. Yeah, instead of generic set of skills or like responsibilities, we really need to uh, to understand what exactly we're looking for because 
when you know what you want to achieve, you you will get it faster. <laughs> you are not shooting to the skies; you are shooting to a particular bird, uh, which which you want to find. And that, that I, I believe that also improves candidate experience because uh, there is nothing more frustrating than like being interviewed and then being told that I oh, know the company has changed the decision and now they're looking for slightly different set of skills. You were great, but like now we're looking for something different. So I think yeah, the most advanced companies. Uh, should um, should do their part of the job in improving the way how they understand what they're looking for and how to better uh, navigate through all the inf this information. Yep. Thanks, Lydia. Uh, I, I wonder if we could try to get everyone's uh, ideas, closing thoughts, any other ideas. So we've heard a lot about the impact on the candidate of having self-sovereign identity and their own digital wallets, making their job searches and career management much easier, more frictionless. We've heard about potential benefits to employers from uh, having more easily accessible verified credentials that are trustworthy to make decisions, again, both talent mobility and talent attraction and acquisition. Um, we've talked about some of the challenges in having these maybe lumpy records. We've talked about some of the challenges in, in HR managing through the period of disruption and adoption. We've talked about a lot. <laughs> um, and I wonder if anyone else has any other kind of comments about this Internet of Careers or anything else that you're, you'd be excited about as you think about, you know, two years, three years, five years from now, uh, this world that we're trying to build towards. So uh, parting comments from the panel. Maybe I could start. I think yeah. one... One of the things um, that as we speak and as we find out more and more about this topic, I really think that uh, as we progress, this would also help the world become much smaller in the sense that you spoke a bit about talent mobility, about person uh, moving from X to Y, but I'm also thinking cross-boundary, cross-country. I think this opens up the doors to so, much, so many more possibilities. And in a time like this, where we really need uh, the best people working uh, with the best company and everyone really pitching in, I think this would really move the needle forward. Um, very excited to let's uh, to, to to see what's gonna come. Yeah, should I continue? From my side, I'm um, I'm looking for the uh, front end simplification. Yeah, it's going to become more complicated at the back end because the technologies are becoming more and more um, advanced. But uh, what would be my dream for both candidates and uh, recruiters is to make an application experience similar to the online shopping experience because that one is so easy. You know, you want to buy something, you go there, plenty of internet sites, you, you, you can easily find something, you press the button, you put your credit card details, and then you are checked out. That's it. But while you apply for a job, it's this endless process. Usually you can do it only uh, through the desktop because of mobile, you, you can't attach the file, so it's complicated if you have links and stuff like that and um, all these fields that you need to complete. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that this technology will make uh, candidate experience the same seamless as the shopping because that's where the modern, modern world is. And uh, I um, I think that many candidates perceive HR as some kind of old-fashioned fa function because our front-end looks a bit old-fashioned. <laughs> so um, my, my big hope is that we, we will all become more modern technologically and that will be much easier for people um, uh, to apply and to control their, uh, their data and to make it more enjoyable experience for them. Thank yeah. you, Lydia. And I think I'm just going to be a little bit on the repetitive side, unfortunately, but, you know, as I think through it, I think I would like to see it move us even away from, as we keep saying, applying and um, going through that process, um, really kind of pushing beyond that boundary of individuals even applying. It's more just using technology to present opportunities that match based on what's in the wallet. So if you have that information available, um, and it's trusted source, if employers do know what they're looking for, they should be able to use technology to match, map, match things up so people aren't applying in the future 
We're just saying we think you're a good fit based on what you have done already and it's trusted source. Um, and these are the, the roles that we think you'd be a fit for. So it's it's a different process completely. Like instead of just evolving that talent process, let's completely move away from it and change the conversation. That's what I'd like to see happen. I love it. Complete transformation. Thanks, Tanya. Yvette, you want to uh, close us out with uh, your recap of what you thought you heard in this past hour? <laughs> yeah, there, it, it's been a fantastic, fantastic conversation. And um, Ken, you gave us a, a great recap earlier. I, I think as I listen to these closing thoughts, I am so um, excited and inspired by um, by the vision that I'm 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 hearing here. Uh, I, you know the the concept of moving away from applying to just matching and having available in your wallet you know enough information to present you against great opportunities to to make the world smaller and um, and really support the um, you know the the workers and and students across the globe with better opportunities and of course making that, that whole experience um, easy and simplified is, is, is super exciting. You know, I think ultimately for me, um, you know, this is about ensuring that everybody has an opportunity uh, to present them their best selves. I think in particular, this is going to help um, underserved, underrepresented populations. It's going to really improve the overall diversity and inclusion um, of, of all people um, across all jobs. When we start presenting ourselves with skills as opposed to, um, you know, just that, that long list of uh, CV type information, but we have more details that are proven and trusted, I think it's going to completely, completely transform the the world of work, and I'm super excited by it. And and hearing these 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 three uh, individuals from different organizations and your vision and how you see this unfolding, guys, is, is super inspiring. So I I just want to thank you for your uh, your time today. It's 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 been a, an inspiring conversation. Thank you. Likewise, yeah, I'd like to thank everyone for coming on Talent Talks today, uh, for sharing your expertise. Uh, it's been great to get these reactions, and I agree with Yvette. It's very inspirational, and uh, it gives us a lot to take back to uh, VNF um, to continue to build this out. Thank you, everyone, for joining, and we look forward to talking to you again. Thanks for listening to the SHL Talent Talks podcast. To learn more about our work, helping organizations attract and select candidates and identify and grow leaders, please visit shl.com.